The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon joined by Chris Flum and we are coming to you right after the New York Giants loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one. They lost to the Steelers 26-16, to a game that the Giants looked like they were possibly in it for the longest time that started early, Chris, with the muffed punt recovery that they had after their first drive. They were moving the ball very quickly. They were using the up-tempo spread style concepts. We're going to talk about that shortly, but they got stalled, punted, and then Deontay Johnson muffs a punt. They get the ball back, and they were in a huge position to score, yet as in typical Giants fashion, it seems, they failed to score and take advantage of that opportunity. You, know, you hate to say the Giants got lucky early, but they, we'll say they took advantage of some of the Steelers' miscues. Because I, I know we were kind of talking as the game went on, and the Steelers really did not look settled, in sync. They almost didn't look ready to play when the game started, but the Giants did. Right, and, and we were talking back and forth how through that first half until the Steelers took a more clear lead, it, it seemed like they were out of sync they were clunky. The Steelers just didn't have a clear plan on offense. It was a lot of run on first down, run on second down, dump off the James Conner, screen to James Conner. It wasn't really much of a clear, concise plan. As soon as they established some momentum, though, that was when the game started to pull away. So as we typically do, and we did last season, we would break down this quick takes show, about 15 minutes, negatives, and then positives after the commercial break. The first negative that we have to always discuss with any quarterback is Daniel Jones throwing two interceptions. Now, this is year two for Daniel Jones, and we're not in the business of making excuses for him anymore. This is not a learning year for Daniel Jones anymore. This is a year of progression and a step forward into becoming a good, consistent starter for the New York Giants. Now, he looked really good early on. And then eventually things started to go a little bit downhill after he threw an interception that was picked off by TJ Watt. And again, we're not making excuses for him at all. 
We're not coming out here and, and, and trying to make him sound better than he is. But that first interception was a play that I would say maybe 99 or 98% of players in the NFL can make at that position what TJ Watt did. He was supposed to rush, read the play, and made a pick. So that not entirely, Chris, I would say was not really his fault, but still it's an interception. It's a turnover nonetheless. Yeah, the that was a position where the, the Giants needed to keep possession of the ball. They needed to have a drive, come away with points. You can't put too much of that on Jones. He, he clearly didn't see J.J. Watt. You could kind of see that from his expression on the sideline when he got back over over there. It, it, it was almost a look of disbelief, which, like you said, very, very few defensive end outside linebackers make that play. Watt is just a freaky athlete, which is a thing we kind of went over a lot in our pregame show. He showed incredible awareness and incredible athleticism to get into position to come down with that ball. The second interception, that one's on Jones. Yeah, that one was entirely on him. There is nothing, there isn't a single explanation you can give for that interception. You're moving the ball quickly. You're in an up-tempo situation. You're rolling out. There is very clearly a ton of Steelers players in front of you and also a player chasing you down within striking distance. That is a play where Daniel Jones needs to make a decision and say, I have no way to win here. I need to just throw this thing out of bounds. If you're going to errantly throw the ball, throw it towards the sideline, away from everybody, do not make a dumb decision like that. And I get it. He's still inexperienced. And inexperienced quarterbacks are going to freak out and do stupid stuff. But eventually, we can't keep seeing this in his second season where he is choosing to make decisions to throw it into a very, the most crowded possible spot on a football field out of any play that I I, I saw in the entire game. You can't be doing that. Uh, Yeah, honestly, the Giants would have been better if he had just tucked the ball, pulled it down, and went down and took the sack. There were a few times the Steelers caught him with the ball out. That time, it just happened to wind up in a Steelers hands, or not just happened to. He put it in, like you said, about the worst possible spot. Now, he may have been trying to throw the ball away then, but his clock has got to run faster than that. He has to be aware that, yeah, the defense is gashed, but there is a defender on me. He has a clear shot at his arm. It was very unlikely that anything good was going to happen there. Now, I I will say, despite the two interceptions, he still had a a decent performance, 26 for 41, 279 yards and two touchdowns to go along with the two picks. One of the more surprising things, he was only sacked three times. We are expecting a ton of sack production, but their ability to move the ball quickly, get it out of his hands early on, really, really helped the momentum of this offense, the ability to get it out of his hands quick. But one thing that did not help Chris was a a terrible, terrible day running the ball. Saquon Barkley only had six yards. At one point, he had negative eight. The team as a whole only mustered 29 total yards. A majority of those came on Daniel Jones' scramble plays and attempts to get away from pressure. It was 1.5 yards per carry. That is the disturbing number that comes with all of this. There was no ability to move the ball on the ground. 
But Chris, I, I will say that despite a, a very blatant inability to, to run the ball, Jason Garrett was at least trying to get something going. We, we saw last year with Pat Shermer in the year before, as soon as things fell apart, he was immediately just throwing the ball as many times as possible. That, that doesn't make up for the, the fact that they couldn't run the ball, but it, it, it's at least something to look at and say that if things aren't working, he's still going to go to it. Regardless, though, no run blocking, terrible day running the ball for the Giants. Yeah, for most of the game, the Steelers were just living in the Giants' backfield, especially on running plays. Uh, when We'll be able to break it down more fully when we get get to take a second look at the game, You know, really dive into and dissect why the Giants struggled so much to run the ball. A big part of it is just the Steelers have a really, really good defensive front. You know, this was just a terrible matchup for the Giants for week one with basically a brand new offensive line. It shouldn't be a surprise that the Steelers were able to basically shut down the Giants running game, but I suppose it is a bit of a surprise that they did it so completely that Barkley couldn't make anything happen. And that just goes along with the fact that the Steelers have one of the best defensive lines and also pass rush groups in the NFL, they showed in this game that if they need to take in a facet of your offense out of the game, they can do so. What now worries me for the future is if the Giants face other opponents, can they do other things besides get the ball to Saquon? Because other teams are going to do whatever they can to take him out of the game because now they know that even though Daniel Jones is going to throw for 270 yards, he might throw some picks. He'll eventually get pressured. They're going to run a lot of play action. Things could get could get given away from this performance with a lack of ability to run the ball. Chris, the one thing I also noticed that was a big negative for me was early on, very effective, up-tempo offense. Ball was getting out quick, chunk plays here and there, nothing too deep. However, once they realized that they weren't able to run the ball effectively, Jason Garrett said, all right, we're going to take a couple shots. Now, that's something that you can do, but towards the end of the second quarter, they were doing it a lot. They scored on a Darius Slayton play, a touchdown, a 41-yard touchdown, off of a play-action deep pass, but there were a lot of pressures and sacks that just came from Daniel Jones holding the ball too long, sitting in the pocket too long, and the best pass rush in the NFL came bearing down on him. Yeah, at times it almost looked like the Giants were running two different offenses where you could see there was the offense Jason Garrett wanted to run, but then there was the offense the Giants had to run. And it was that other offense where saw quite a few what appeared to be almost college concepts with multiple tight end sets, uh, spread alignment, spread looks, very up-tempo, a lot of one or two read passes, just get the ball out of Jones's hands quickly. Don't make him think too much. Let him play fast. And that was a lot more effective. It helped to slow down that nasty Steelers pass rush. The Giants were able to dink and dunk, and that ultimately set up some of those long shots, as well as uh, taking advantage of that one Steelers miscue to extend the Giants' drive in the first half. There are positives from this game. There were some things that we noticed that we thought are really good for the remainder of this season to look towards. We're going to get to that really shortly, but we're going to take a really quick commercial break. 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Chris, I got to say the first big positive for me is seeing the Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones connection hitting twice. The big thing I'm getting from this now is that I can say pretty confidently that Darius Slayton is going to be a consistent target for Daniel Jones this season, unless teams are actively trying to shut him out, he is going to be a deep threat option, a red zone target for Daniel Jones, just based on those two touchdowns and the big, big play that we saw early in the game. This could be a, a glimpse of not only this season to come, but multiple seasons down the line to come. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty obvious at this point that Slayton is easily Jones's most trusted target. He's the guy he feels really comfortable going to, where the two of them are on the same page. Slayton knows where Jones is going to put the ball, and Jones knows where Slayton's going to be. And the fact that that is also their deep threat, if the Giants are able to get to a position where they can run the kind of de- kind of offense that Jason Garrett wants to run— that is a very good connection to have. Exactly. And you could also possibly credit their chemistry to a different offensive approach. And we noticed very quickly this new style of offense, something that was very different from previous play calling for Jason Garrett. It, it almost reminded me of a college spread style offense, but with mixed formations to what NFL teams run. So we saw some three tight end looks that were fast paced, no huddle, then motioning guys, moving guys around. That up-tempo, high-speed offense and also misdirection was very unique. And I will say it was working when they were able to do it consistently. They could have scored on another drive if it wasn't for that red zone interception that we already talked about. In that case, it, it might have even been a, a case of the Giants got going too fast and got ahead of themselves or got greedy. But that up-tempo, but also methodical, dink-and-dunk, almost college-style offense, which in some ways might have been what Pat Shermer was at least wanting to do last year, that was definitely effective. Kind of the more traditional vertical-style offense that we saw the Giants try to do at points during this game, that was really just not effective. Another positive, and the last one 
that we have is a, is a big lump one here. The defensive performance was strong for a majority of the game. We noticed a very stout run defense closing down on Benny Snell and completely taking James Conner out of this game until some chunk yardage was picked up in garbage time towards the end. The other thing, too, that really popped to me, Chris, was this is a, a very different creative approach to attacking offenses and causing confusion. It's very zone blitz-based and... The way that these concepts are employed by Patrick Graham, putting a couple clear down rushers at the line of scrimmage, putting a bunch of people standing up around the line of scrimmage, and then dropping and sending various people to confuse the offensive line. We saw this work pretty early to create some some tough spots for Ben Roethlisberger to get the ball out quickly or possibly throw the ball away. Didn't work as much towards the end of the game, and actually this over-aggressive approach led to a Juju Smith-Schuster touchdown Regardless, though, I, I think that this could work against some slower, weaker offenses. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. The yeah, I really like the use of the radar defense. The those defenses where you'd see basically nobody with their hand on the ground, all eleven players just kind of milling around the line of scrimmage. That really let them disguise their intentions, disguise what kind of coverage they're in, what what kind of blitz may or may not be called until the ball is snapped. Now, like you said, as the game wore on, we saw the Steelers kind of figure some things out. They clearly identified some tells the Giants had because they tried that radar defense towards the end of the game and it just didn't work. But with a very veteran coach like Mike Tomlin, a very veteran quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger, that's going to happen. You know, maybe against some other younger, less veteran teams, the Giants will be able to keep that confusion up throughout the game. And they were able to generate pressure, especially early when you could see the Steelers offensive line just didn't know what was going on. They didn't know who was coming, who was dropping. You saw guys blocking air while Roethlisberger was scrambling and just trying to avoid a sack or a turnover. Right, and the Giants did end up giving up 141 rushing yards. A lot, again, the, those yardage that yardage was picked up by Benny Snell a little bit towards the end of the game as they were trying to close things out. They did only surrender 208 passing yards, which is a, a very good defensive performance for a team that had a porous secondary last season. So maybe once they start to figure their stuff out early on in the season – they could actually start to dominate some weaker teams. That is a complete 180 from what we've seen in the past for this Giants team. That's going to be it for us here on this Quick Takes show. Hope you enjoy listening in, whether it's tonight or likely on Tuesday morning. We are going to be getting out a film breakdown show like we did last season. That is going to be coming out to you on Wednesday, so stay tuned for that episode coming out where we're going to break down everything after we sit and look and watch the tape. Be sure to follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Raptor MKII, and also at Big Blue View. Rate and subscribe if you enjoy the show, and also head to BigBlueView.com. 